If you have your Bibles, we are going to hit verse 1. We talked about it uh, a little bit last week, but I was going to say, I, and I've thought about saying sometimes, you know, you should bring your Bibles, but then you'd be sitting there without your Bible and like, oops, <laughs> I don't want you to feel bad. Bring your Bibles if you want to, and if you don't, don't. I mean, however best for you, uh, I think, you know, I try to put stuff up there. I don't want you to stay out of your Bibles by any means, and I don't want you to take my word for it. Uh, I think uh, it's open book. <laughs> You can do, uh, the, the text is what we're trying to, to get to. So if, you know, if you'd like to follow along, then bring them. Uh, if, you'd, if you'd rather not, then don't. Uh, I think that's, that's fine, however way you want to do it. But it's kind of back to what we talked about at the welcome, the discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? Well, the very core of that word is a word for learner, uh, discipline and learning. And that's essentially what Christianity is. It's textual faith. Uh, God's the one that, from the time the we got the Ten Commandments to, to now, uh, we've God has revealed himself through words um, and obviously through his son. Uh, so whatever works for you, I mean, different ways uh, of doing it. If you don't have a Bible, sure, let us know. We, we'll get you one. Uh, we like to, uh, like to give away uh, study Bibles, Bibles that have the text and then give you some help for context. And so uh, let us know if you need to. So just one verse here, and he said to them, this is coming off of, is talking about his death and resurrection. Um, he brings his disciples, uh, ironically, um, and it said, you know, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Back up in verse 36 of chapter 8. And then he said to them, so them there, you always want to know where the pronouns are. Uh, who's them? Well, them are the, 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 the 12. Truly I say to you, uh, 12, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. You know, that's a really cool verse. It's just really hard to know what he meant. Um, this is where, you know, we have this a couple times in the New Testament. It's, it's essentially a, a paraphrase of a, one of the Proverbs. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And you've got to come to this text with a little bit of humility uh, because you're going to get about as many interpretations of this text as you read commentaries on it. or, or ex So I'm going to give you kind of, what we're going to do here is kind of, how do we figure this out? Because do you think Jesus knew what he meant here? Yeah, probably. I was going to say, do you think the disciples knew what he meant? But they haven't figured out half the stuff yet, so probably not, maybe, maybe not. I think it's given that sh we should know uh, wh what it means. And, and I do think it's very logical uh, for any text that there's only one true meaning. I mean, I hope you don't do that with other people. You know, if you say, you know, we're going to go eat somewhere and then you go somewhere else, well, that was a false meaning. Uh, uh, that's true with anything. So some standing here will not taste death until. It's an interesting way to put it. You know, what's going on there? Well, Jesus has talked about his own death there. So in context, you would probably think he's talking about their death. But is he, has he switched in talking about their death, but maybe spiritual death and not, I don't, I mean, again, that's out there. Uh, until they see the kingdom of God, which Jesus talks about a lot, uh, the rule of Yahweh, after it has come with power. So that, uh, there's a lot going on there. So to what was Jesus referring to here? And here's the most likely options that people put. This is what you do. 
you know, you kind of throw them out at the wall, and hopefully one of them will stick. Is the way you know. Sometimes you just try to figure this out logically. Now, one one thing to remember here is whether or not you you believe or, or you follow what I say or what you, somebody else may say about this. It doesn't change the gospel. It doesn't change who Jesus is. In fact, what it probably does for me is it's like you know what I am not near as smart as I thought I was. There's a text here, and I'm like. I hate that, and you know that if you've been in a Bible study. I don't like saying, well, what do you think this means? And I'm like, eh, I don't know. You know, it almost comes out, I want to know. You know, so you do a lot of work on this. So what are the options? Well, the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost is one that people, you know, they won't taste death until they see that power coming. You know, you will receive power. That's what he says in Acts 1. So that, that was a pretty good one. Um, the spread of the gospel, the whole idea of, of the power of, you know, Marcus just prayed about, the crucifixion, the, the, the resurrection, the ascension, and then that. So maybe the whole thing. Um, the destruction of Jerusalem in 70, and you're thinking, what? Well, that kind of comes into 13 when we get there. Um, and it's possible. That one's kind of like, mm, I don't know, you know, some think. But uh, we got to put that for everything, I guess. But uh, And then the transfiguration. Which, why do we put that one in there? Well, it's the next thing, you know. So, so what do we do with in power? You know, what do we do? Well, well you go back and you, I, I did the Greek geek thing and took that in power clause, the dynamis clause, and, and figured out where else is this in the New Testament? Well, Romans 1 starts out, it's, it's a summary of Romans 16 chapters, and he was declared to be the Son of God in power. Declared. Okay, that's kind of helpful. Okay, well, what about Second Thessalonians? For this end, we will always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fill, fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So it's got who he is and what we can do. And then First Peter, who happens to be one of the dudes at the Transfiguration, um, who by God's power are being guarded. This is, these are the believers he's writing to through faith. So it's got a lot. So this power has to do with Jesus' identity, his character, and the gospel. You know. So now you got it all figured out, right? This is how you do exegesis. This is how you do try to interpret scripture. You try to figure it out. So given this promise, and given it's right before context, 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 I think he's probably talking about the transfiguration. But I'm, I'm, I'm like 51% certain on this one. And people don't like that. And I know that's hard. Um, but again, it doesn't change. It does seem like something has to happen to these guys until they get it. I think we can say that, right? And interestingly enough, Peter does talk about this in his second letter. We were there, and we saw his majesty. John never mentions it, which is interesting, even though. And James, uh, unfortunately, didn't make it uh, long enough in his life to write anything. Or if he did write anything, then we don't have it. Uh, and God didn't intend to us have it. So, I just wanted to do that for you because there are some verses that are hard, and I probably will never stop trying. To, I, I mean, I'll, when I'm dead, I'll probably still try to figure this out. You know, uh, I, I don't know if we'll ever stop trying to understand who Jesus is, because um, and, 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 it's a relationship. It's not just knowing about Him. You know, I look around here. We got married folks. We got you know, you know, you've got relationships with people. You don't want to just you know, if, you know go out on a date with somebody and then you talk about it. It's like, well, yep, I know everything about you. I want to know. See ya. <laughs> especially, guys, especially don't do that with your wife. Uh, uh, it, it's an ongoing thing. It's, uh, 
It's eternal, I think. I think we have eternity in our hearts, as Ecclesiastes says. So uh, I, I guess suffice it to say that I think the transfiguration is part of this. It gives them something. And we get the beauty of being able to be there through the words of Peter, most likely, but written down by Mark. Um, so, to the transfiguration. After, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves, which is really cool that they did, because now we know what's going on. So how many people we got here? Four. Don't forget Jesus. Um, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. I don't know what term you want to use for this, but this is really cool. I mean, this is one of the neatest, uh, uh, and, and I've told you that before. I think it's kind of cool in the narratives, Old Testament or New Testament, to try to kind of get your own movie in your mind. What would this look like? You know, I had that picture. Picture is worth a thousand words. I don't know if you knew that, but the children's sermon was a thousand words shorter today because I showed him a picture. I don't know how much a video would be, but how would you do this? Again, I, I, you know, use your imagination. Think about what if I had all the money in the world to do this scene and do it the way I would think it would look. You can go to whatever mountain you want. You can go wh whatever you want to do, and we'll get you, th and we'll get the, what would that look like? Because your mind doesn't need the money. I don't know if you knew that. You know, let your imagination go. Now, the location of the mountain is not given. They do that a lot. You know, we would always give that, you know, but they, that's just ancient literature. It's very common. Now, it's normally thought to be one of two places. Mount Tabor in Galilee um, is probably the most prevalent, but uh, some think it's Mount Hermon because if you remember, they were just in Caesarea Philippi, and we haven't been told they've gone anywhere, but we haven't been told they haven't. <laughs> and so Mount Hermon is up near that. And here's a topographical map for you because you probably wanted one, didn't you? Uh, this is... Uh, this is Caesarea Philippi, where they were out. Here's the Sea of Galilee. It's kind of like you're kind of looking at it this way. And then you kind of get an idea of height of mountain. Um, so here's where he hung, hangs out. Here's where he was born, Nazareth. Messiah is over here. Magdala is over here. Here's Mount Tabor. You can't even quite see that there's a mountain there. It's about 1,900 feet above sea level. Right here is about 600 below, so it's about 25. So it, it's very prevalent if you go over there and look at it. And, and I've been there. Who else has been to Israel or that area? Anybody else? Yeah. Well, uh, did you go to Mount Tabor? Do you remember that? Um, they have a site on both of these. The Mount Tabor one's a little nicer. Um, but then look at Mount Hermon. So we're looking, you know, a couple thousand feet here. They got Mount Hermon up here. I mean, you could ski on this sucker. I mean, this is up there. This is like 9,800 feet. So people, and then, then they were here, so yeah, it's possible. And this is one of those mysteries, and, and you know. It's not a mystery of how you are able to come into relationship with the Father. That's pretty easy, isn't it? You go through the Son, and you, and you listen to Him. As, as it's not a mystery on how we're supposed to act. There's plenty of information about how you're supposed to treat each other and live if you're a follower of Jesus. It is a mystery on which mountain this came on. Um, 
But by golly, they got some pretty good churches on both one, both of them, you know, along with the five different places we, uh, we had that said this was where John the Baptist's head was. Interesting. I didn't know that was that important, but uh, there you go. You never know. And the first one we saw that was in a mosque, just to let you know. So they, you know, don't forget our Muslim friends have more about the New Testament than you know. Get some good conversations with them. So he was transfigured. This is the word metamorphomai. Well, now, we know that word, right? I was going to do that with the kids. I was going to do the, you know, the caterpillar thing, but I thought, eh, maybe next time. Uh, but uh, I thought we'd just do the picture. But you, that gives you an idea of the difference between a, you know, a, a caterpillar and a beautiful butterfly. I mean, it's, just, it's a metaphor, obviously. But that's where this word, this is the, the Greek word, transformed, transfigured is the word that's kind of come through English. And notice only Jesus is being described in verse 3. Uh, I guess we could take a vote, not that it would matter, but how many people thought, you know, think that Moses and or Elijah were glowing? You know, probably moon glow there, right? You know, the difference between the sun and the moon, the sun has its own power, the Jesus, you know, and then maybe they're kind of, I almost wonder, in my movie, Moses is kind of going like, you know, kind of like Rudolph's nose, you know, you're just like, tone it down a little bit, Jesus, we're trying to talk, you know, it's just, you, you, not a hundred watt, go, about, go down to one of those LED things. Uh, but so, but just imagine this, I mean, what's going on here, um, and I said that to the kids, I mean, these guys are dead. I mean, they're well. They're well. At least one of them died. We think. Hmm. How how did Moses die? We're not really sure, are we? Um, he walked off into the sunset with John Wayne, right? And and then you got that really. I guess this is weird text day, but you get that really interesting text in Jude that says that Michael the archangel and Satan argued over the bones of Moses? Boy, that's a rabbit trail. Well, get off of that. Um, what about Elijah? How many people went to his funeral? <laughs> yeah, he was one of the couple that didn't actually die. He just went up in a whirlwind and the chariot and all that and all that kind of stuff. And I, I was going to say this at the welcome, but it's a good segue. Um, Tony Jepson passed away. Uh, one of our founders um, well, you guys, John, I mean, that's been a while, right? I mean, that was 05, 06 when you guys started everything up. And uh, she's had cancer and been battling it, and she passed away on Tuesday. She'll, uh, so tomorrow night, 5 to 7, visitation here, and the funeral's at 1030 on Tuesday morning if you want to attend that or at least keep the family in, in, in your prayers. But these guys didn't die. Well, not normally. I mean, but th whatever. They went to heaven, and now they're back. Moses, we think, is around 1400 B.C., um, Elijah, probably around 900-ish B.C. So, you know, to quote one of my favorite movies, they're not mostly dead. They're all dead. I mean, they're, they're pretty dead, yeah, but they're back. What does that tell us about this? I, I've never used this in a uh, funeral, s but, you know, and I've already got that one done. But this would be a good funeral sermon, wouldn't it, to bring this in? Does, what does this tell us about those who have passed away in the Lord? They're still around. They're still sentient. They're still alive. You know, God is the God of the living. So he starts to show his true identity. We see this in Hebrews 1. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. I mean, you get a little bit of Isaiah 6 going on here, right? 
I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, and then Isaiah just hits the ground. It's just so glorious. We're seeing a little bit of that. So they appear, and they have a conversation with him. That's what's interesting. They're talking. Now, Mark does not give us what they say Luke does. You can look that up if you want. But they talk about his departure, which is the Hebrew word exodus, which I think is just cool. Um, he's going to have an exodus, right? He's going to depart the earth uh, in a different way than Moses and in a different way than Elijah, in the way that always mattered. He's going to, in some ways, go off uh, like Moses, uh, you know, after he dies and, and come back and wander around a bit for f 50 days. And he's going to, in some ways, go like Elijah, where he's going to ascend eventually, kind of like, a, you know, I don't know if it's in a whirlwind, but he's definitely got a cloud. So it's kind of cool how this goes. But they're talking about, and what we don't have is exactly, you think it was just, like a couple sentences? I mean, and this is a, a, a nice theological question. I don't have the answer to this either. I can, we, can, we can talk about it in a Bible study. Um, why? You know, why, why have this? I mean, it probably strengthened Jesus, but it definitely has something with these three guys too because we just heard that. Um, you know, so talking kind of about his crucifixion, you know, this is what he came for. And maybe it was a lot to, to make him understand and help, you know, because he is, you know, how, you know how that theology of how much Jesus was real, you know, was recalling and all that being God and man. And that's there's a lot of information there in, in the Bible. But John 12, you know, that's what he says. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. That's what I came for. So it makes some sense that they're, you know. I mean, uh, and please don't think this is what I think they said. But, you know, this is kind of paraphrasing. It's my movie right now. Um, and uh, you don't want to get flippant about it. I realize that. But, you, want, you know, how are you doing? You know, this is coming close, you know. Uh, are you, are you, wouldn't that be something the Father would do, <laughs> I think? And he does that for us, too, usually through other people. Because the Father could have come down and hung out for a while, and I think maybe he did in some ways uh, how that worked when Jesus went and prayed. But this is pretty cool. So there's something about the three seeing it. Because guess what? If they weren't there, you wouldn't be hearing about this. So it's kind of neat. There. And, and then Peter, no doubt he's fired up. And we, I, I do think sometimes we throw Peter under the bus a little too quick. Um, I do understand verse 6 where he did not know what to say, which would probably be the wisest thing to do if he didn't know what to say. You know, what's the old adage? Better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Um, but Jesus doesn't chastise him, which is kind of cool. Uh, um, but he said, it's good that we are here, which I think he's right. It is. They're supposed to be there. He brought them up there. Um, but, but he wants to make some tents. You know, we don't have any contextual information that Peter was a Boy Scout. But why tents? It's kind of interesting. Uh, the same Greek word could be translated tabernacles. Does that, that change anything? Or shelters? Um, he may have wanted to commemorate the event. You know, we do that. You know, plaques and stuff. But still has incomplete knowledge for Jesus. That's what he's trying to figure out. But he may have been referring to the Feast of Tabernacles. He, you know, we don't know how old Peter was, but if he was similar age to Jesus, you know, in 30 or so been through a number of tabernacle feasts that he knew, the Feast of Booths. It was a harvest festival to commemorate the Exodus. Isn't that interesting? 
And they're up there talking about the Exodus, I- his Exodus, you know. Um, I wonder if they did talk about that. That'd be kind of cool. You remember when you did the whole, you know, the sea Red Sea thing? That was really cool. You know, you left that way and all that. Of course, then you went in the wilderness for all this time. I did the wilderness thing for 40 days, and boy, we could have a whole book about what they might have talked about, couldn't we? Uh, maybe someday we'll figure that out. But, but Peter's words were most likely not well thought out. Um, uh, and then the Father gives some a revelation. You know, he doesn't talk much uh, when Jesus is here. He does say a few things. We heard from him at the baptism, if you remember. And here's the one I think we should get. A little bit of a challenge to all of us. Certainly a challenge to these guys. You'd think we would know this, right? You know, we're supposed to be followers of Jesus, aren't we? We're supposed to be disciples of Jesus, and and, and that's true. Um, But what does he say? Listen to him. And it's, it's in the imperative. I'm thinking we got some, you remember another mountain when things shook? Yeah, it doesn't say it. My movie, it's my movie. Um, I'm shaking that mountain. And I'm having the other nine down there, and they're like, whoa, it's glowing up there. Did they take a torch with them? You know, I mean, I mean, that would make sense with the, you know, but I could hear, listen to him, and then, you know, you know could, I would get James Earl Jones to do the voiceover. You know, I mean, this would, this is big. And I, I don't think they ever forgot it. Um, you know, James, it, it's odd because just when you think you get it figured out, it it, it, it goes a different direction, right? Um, it makes sense. Well, you've got John who wrote the Gospel of John, the epistles of John, and was the one who received the revelation, you know, the last, what we have in the, the last of our Bible. And you got Peter, who's in Acts all the time, doing all these wonderful things, preached the sermon at, at, at Pentecost, wrote two letters that are wonderful. And then you got James who wrote nothing and said nothing that we know of. It's just, it's like, what, what's he doing there? You know, but, but again, who knows what he said? Who knows how many people came to faith through James? And this is, if, you're, if you follow the chosen, this is big James. Um, this is, the, this is, this is the, the brother of John. And, uh, uh, you know, that is, wouldn't it be fun, you know, when we die, say, hey, you know, how did those 10 years or so between the time uh, Pentecost to the time you got uh, killed by Herod, what'd you do? You know, I was a little upset with Luke. They didn't put some of that in there, but but the all idea is to listen to him. And, and Hebrews kind of gives it the start. We had Hebrews verse 3 of chapter 1. These two first two verses are just so well done. Long ago... At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And I think you would include a Moses in that, you know. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So if God has spoken to us by his son, what would be a good thing to do? Listen to him, you know, that's the thing. And how do we do such things? You know, I, I know what's out there. And I'm not, God can do what he wants. But look here, the father doesn't even talk to the son that much when he's on, you know. How did Jesus know a lot of this stuff? I mean, I don't know. I mean, he was God too, maybe. A lot of it, maybe he read Torah. I don't know. I bet he was a pretty good student. Remember, what does he use against Satan in the the wilderness? Yeah, did he say, I'm Jesus, get the heck out of here. 
or let wait a minute you know, i'm glowing now leave you know whatever i mean he didn't do that what did he use he used scripture perhaps we should you know that's that's the idea here it's just such a you can listen for the voice of God if you want. There's no, I mean, God will talk to you if he wants to, but that's we, he's already speaking through his word. That is his decision, not mine. And you can find out, listening to him, I think, primarily is knowing his word. I think also includes prayer and worship and service and all those things that we do. And you see in Acts 2 also when the church got started. But this is so key. If you, wanna, if you want to hear the voice of God, then read scripture out loud. And if you want to do even better, have James Earl Jones read it for you. you know. <laughs> of course, he is Darth Vader. But that's another discussion. But think about that. Th that scripture is so important. And that's why and I know we hit this. This is a big deal. It's a big deal in any free, free church or any conservative church. This is how we know him. He has decided this. I have not. Uh, and if you think you need more, I think I'll, I'll give myself this challenge. Once you have this all memorized, then you can ask for more. And I've got verse 1 memorized. I just don't know what the heck it means. So that's the next step. <laughs> but these are the heavenly handwriting that we have. you know. So what happens? I hope that helps you. Again, that listen to him. Get that down. And the best way to listen to Jesus is to read and understand what it is he revealed through his patriarchs, prophets, and apostles and associates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that if you're going to have the gospel chapter one, we're in good shape. I've actually thought about that now that I don't know if you have that on your. I obviously thought what, uh, you can give me feedback on this. Wouldn't it be cool maybe if we had, didn't have to be James Earl Jones, but somebody with a better voice than me actually read it? dramatize it you know or would you all kind of like then I get up here I'm like can you bring that other guy he sounds a lot better yeah so but yeah, I don't know there's some good ones out there I know some of the dramatized stuff so so the conversation afterwards so they got that they've experienced this and as they verse 9 as they're coming down the mountain he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the son of man has risen from the dead so they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how, and how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come. And they did to him whatever they pleased as it is written of him. So they... They get this familiar command from Jesus and, uh, with a helpful addition. Uh, keep quiet. I mean, think about this. I mean, what if you go to eat today and you're going home and then all of a sudden Jesus appears, says, get out of your car, walk with me. We're going to go into the woods and then I'm going to show myself to you. And Moses and Elijah show up and it's just really cool. And then he says, oh, yeah, well, don't tell anybody. That would be kind of hard, wouldn't it? Um, of course, now they probably put it in a padded cell, so you've got to be careful who you tell. Um, most likely, th this helps to explain the constant instruction. It helps. We've had this with the, with the healings. And it's like, what do, you, what do you mean? Well, 
I think this is my paraphrase here in, in italics. Until you understand my crucifixion and resurrection, you're not really going to know who I am, nor what the purpose of my miracles and the purpose of the events of my life is. Learn first, speak later. Um, notice he didn't say listen to him and speak a lot at this point. But later, go into all the world and make disciples. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So stay quiet about that for now. That had to be hard, uh, especially for Peter, I think. So the disciples must have taken his death and rising as either metaphoric or spiritual. Because uh, they're like, well, you know, what does this rising from the dead thing uh, mean? And they're referring to Malachi 4. Uh, verse 5 and probably verse 4. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb, which is Sinai, for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So th it, was, it was an expectation that Elijah would come. Even Orthodox Jews now, if you eat with them, they've got a chair open. And that's in case Elijah shows up. It's kind of, and if he doesn't, you get to eat his burrito or, or whatever, or falafel or whatever it is you're eating. Um, and he gives this true meaning of Malachi 4 and also 3 1, which says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. He does this in Matthew. We've already had a little bit here in, in Mark. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John the Baptist. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. So that's, we know that's, it's, it's a metaphor. And, and he, he's saying, because they're thinking, is this the Elijah in the transfiguration? And I'm thinking, he's saying, well, no, no, that's not that one. It's the one who came in the spirit of Elijah that was prophesied. So we see that all God's predictions come to pass. Um, but we must understand their true meaning. Uh, and remember, there's only one true meaning. Uh, certainly there could be texts that have one, you know, two meanings because they're different timing. I'm, I'm not saying that. But you can't, it, you know, this is the one I always kind of use. Jesus can't be the Son of God who is the one you have to follow, the only way to salvation, and also be just a wandering sage that you can follow if you want or not. One of those is wrong. Well, maybe both of them are wrong, but they're both not right. And so it's always good to try to... And I and it's people say, well, you think your meaning's right. And I'm like, well, duh. Why do I preach when I think it was wrong? You know? If you want to do your meaning, then you go preach, you know. I mean, I mean, and hopefully we're, we're a little less flippant about that. But, but it's quite a blessing to have Jesus give the true interpretation of Malachi here. If you're wondering what it meant, there you go. You don't get that for every text. So see what's happening here. The Gospel of Mark is going to continue our journey with the disciples. And here we even get to go on the mountain with them, attempting to understand who Jesus of Nazareth really is. We had this a couple weeks ago. Who do you say that I am? That should be the most important question. And best way to do it is to listen to him. Not to me, not to other preachers. I mean, that we hopefully point you to him. That's all we're doing. We're just pointers. We're just really one fairly articulate beggar showing where we got bread and here's how you can get bread. Um, we should always, that it should be an essential priority. That's always what we have to, you know, is he, who is Jesus? Is he the son of God? Is he the Christ? Is he Lord? Is he saved? They're starting to figure that out when we get taken by the hand. And what we want to do is know him better and better. Don't say, oh, I got it. He's God. I, I, you know, he saves me. 
wonderful. It's just like getting married, right? That's great. You know, my spouse is wonderful. I'm not single anymore. Don't really plan on talking to him anymore. That's what we do to God sometimes, doesn't it? Thank you for saving me. I'll see you when I die. I, I don't think you should do that. Um, I don't think that's what it means to truly follow someone. And what's the best way to do it? I think it's doing what we're doing now, right? Get into your Bibles. It's not that hard. I mean, verse 1 is, but, <laughs> but the main thing is not that hard. And it's just, it's the best way to get to know him. Because you're going to follow someone, you want to want what he wants, and you're going to want to do what he wants you to do. You're going to have to know him to figure that out. We need to get into the word more and more. And you know it's going to please him. Let us pray. Father, what a wonderful experience this must have been for these three uh, followers. It's so wonderful that you uh, inspired well, all three of the synoptic writers to put this in there so we get a, a feeling at it for uh, the way we see it. Uh, may all of us just want to do that. Uh, this doesn't have to be a long prayer. May we want to listen to your son in the way he's articulated himself, which is primarily through your word. Thank you for preserving that for us. Thank you for gifting people to translate it for us. And thank you for everyone here. May they all want to have a heart for you, listen to your son, and have life in his name. Amen.